Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Mindscape 717 again with Leslie and Tanya. Um, we are now on episode, uh, no, season two, episode five. five. And um, we just finished talking about um, codependency and mental health um, with culture involved as well. And so we thought we'd kind of continue along the same vein and talk a lot about um, diagnoses and mental health and how culture affects that. Um, so where are we going with this? So <laughs> we were literally just trying to catch up with this conversation. So because of how we're moving along, we started with narcissism and kind of went into like grief a little bit and then codependency and a little bit more of what that looks like. So maybe talking about mental health in relationships. If we are in a relationship where... And again, when we talk about relationships, it's not just romantic. Right. It is literally platonic to romantic and everything in between personal, professional, professional, any kind of, we have so many different relationships, right? And it's just not the idea of it being a, a love, like a romantic relationship. There's more to that. So mental health, mental illness in relationships, I think coming off of the codependency because that's a disorder. It's a true disorder. It comes with so much more. And when we think about what mental health is as an issue, there is a lot that comes with this. And I know we talk about trauma and a lot of the things like personality disorders, like narcissism, comes. it's rooted in trauma. And we can be very, very... We can be very empathic to people that have been through some shit, especially if we love them, especially if we want a relationship we could be very empathic and that's fine until it becomes a codependent relationship and now we are the martyr and they get to treat us the way they treat us. But moving into the space of where mental health is a problem, can be a problem, is a problem. And I know we kind of uh, just mentioned like we were talking before we turned it on like bipolar, right? We can talk about anything from severe anxiety to bipolar, to narcissism, to borderline, to schizophrenia, all of those spaces, it is really difficult to have a relationship with mental health because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to incorporate a relationship that's healthy and secure with individuals or situations where they it's may not, not be yeah. healthy or secure. They right. might be a little unstable, but we love them. Right. So, yeah, and that's a really hard thing to kind of reconcile yes. because people want to stay to help and want to create that safe space for that person. Right. You know, I was thinking a little bit about um, an us versus them type of thing. Um, we create new labels all the time. And the newest label, of course, is neurodivergent um, and then just normal. Normal. Right? Was it? Um, Neuro... Neurotypical? Typical, yeah. Neurotypical and neurodivergent. Um, which, again, I think kind of pits us against each other rather than allows for, um, like, a, a, a sort of a, a better communication or a better understanding. It just kind of pits the two together uh, against each other. And that's one of the reasons why I'm against labels in the first place. But sometimes labels can actually help us understand another individual, especially if 
that individual is going through something. They've had a traumatic childhood, right? Um, and they're just now starting to deal with it. Um, and oh, there's all sorts of new things that are coming up with you know the whole concept of autism. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so many you know uh, females and males see it differently and and have different reactions. And there's just new ways yeah. to look at autism. Um, and there's so many more people that have autism than we originally thought, um, even even five years ago. Yeah, and that's along with ADHD. ADHD is the other, you know, hot. These are term. some trigger shit right now. So mm-hmm. and yeah, so we're talking about these these hot terms: ADHD, autism, neurodivergent, neurotypical, very hot terms. Um, Twenty years ago, bipolar was the very hot term. And um, everybody was being diagnosed as bipolar. What is bipolar? So bipolar, there's two types. And there is depressive episodes where we are as low as we can get. And maybe we try to harm ourselves and no longer exist. Because that's how low we get. Or we get super duper high where we won't sleep. Yeah, the manic. We don't sleep. We're very grandiose. We have all of the energy, and mind you, we haven't slept, we're not eating well, we're not really, we're not doing anything of the normal things that we would do to get energy to be high energy. These people in mania are severely like, it's almost like they're high. Yes. On like some real shit. Yeah. And they're, nothing has changed. It's just a manic episode. Mm -hmm. And then there's a level below that, which is hypomania. Which is part of, like, that's a differentiation between bipolar 1 and 2 is the hypomania. Where it's still very much grandiose, but it's not as significant as, like, a manic episode. So the ups and downs. And I know people, this bothers me now as as a clinician. It bothers me that people are like, oh, you're so bipolar. Or I think they're bipolar because they're happy one moment and then sad the next. All right. Let's not do no. that shit because let's not self-diagnose. We're not or diagnose someone else just because you don't know what the fuck it means. I don't like right. it. Exactly. People very much <laughs> suffer from bipolar. And when you see it, it is very drastic. I have a couple that are bipolar and I have a couple clients that will deny, deny. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. I'm not trying to convince you of anything, but you can see that. I mean, it is so it's so drastic. It's not like you're sad one moment and then happy the next. Because yeah. honestly, I think it's a very normal fucking spectrum to go on a literal daily basis. But if you wake up and you didn't sleep well and you're a little tired and you're a little cranky. And women, I'm going to have to say this one because I feel this shit. When I'm about to get on my period, <laughs> some shit makes me so angry. And then I want to cry. And then I'm like, oh, this is my period. I'm totally fine. Um... But then that's a normal thing. I feel like hormones and stress and mood, like all of these things are impacted because bipolar is a mood disorder. It's so like this. It's not. Oh, There's nothing here. in between. People, it goes from... it's not. It. It's just not. You're sad and happy in one day. Unless you are medicated properly and it takes a while to figure out the proper medication. Because then if you got other shit too, yeah. it is, it could be a. A free-for-all to figure out how to better support it. Because mood disorders are mood disorders for a reason. And a lot of people will be diagnosed with mood disorder when in actuality is bipolar. Because 
right? We have to figure out where we are in the spectrum. And I think now it's getting better, but people are still using it like, oh, I'm just kind of up and down. So what I am too, but it doesn't mean I'm bipolar. Like it's not the same thing. It's so not. this it's, is where it's been, it's been yes. a pop like oh psychology term lately. It's a mm-hmm. household term now. Oh, mm-hmm. you're being bipolar. Um, no, <laughs> if you've actually seen it in action, which it is both very of us scary. have, um, it, it's, you know, I've had clients that were bipolar and, whew, and let me tell you when they think they're feeling better and they go off their medication and everything ends up like going crazy again. Um, it is, it's a struggle. It's a struggle even as a therapist to, to get that person to understand, to yeah. see to feel and then to... people are so they're just not happy with the idea of bipolar right and people want to ignore it and i'm like look i have a client right. right now we we have a differences of opinions and i'm not arguing i say okay mm-hmm. and they're like why are you saying okay i'm not here to convince you you feel better i'm glad let's do this but you go from wanting to harm yourself and not exist to wanting to rule the world. Or go shopping with money you don't have. Because um, that's a, mm-hmm. those are the risky behaviors we look at. Debt issues. and uh-huh. So what happens if um, you're in a relationship with somebody who has a mood disorder? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do you deal with that? That's a good question. First and foremost, that other person needs to be in therapy as well. This one you can't handle alone. I being in a relationship with someone that suffers and it's a suffrage in mental health. When you deal with something so intense like bipolar personality, you're coming from a very traumatic place. Like that's really difficult. You need to talk about it so that you can understand what is the best for you if you want to continue. I literally have a client that's going through this right now. Their person is very in the depths of a personality disorder um and they're trying to figure out what to do and it's very difficult because you can't say leave them you can't say love them harder and they'll change there is no change for that person you're just going to have to be ready with your armor to protect yourself and again it's not a selfish thing you just have to be ready because those i mean that shit is deep and I'm, I agree with Leslie, diagnoses kind of pissed me off a little bit too. I'm not, I, sometimes I'm like, this seems aggressive that we even have to go this route. But at the same time, I think as I work more with it, I'm like, this will give us a little bit of space to figure out how to better support someone like with medication and the psych. Yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm able to like say, okay, this is what it is and this is what they need and this is what I'm doing. Granted, do I use the same thing for everyone? Absolutely not. I believe that I am more eclectic than anything else. I do not subscribe to one modality because I don't think that that's true. We're all very different. What works for me is not going to work for someone else. So I'm not going to present something the only way that I know. For example, journaling is my worst. I hate fucking journaling. (laughs) I can't do it. I think it's stupid, but I can't do it. And I love it. So and so many of my clients are like, I'm right. a journal. I say, girl, do you? Because guess exactly. what? I'm not going to tell you to do is journal because I fucking hate journaling. I tried my entire life and I'm so bad at it. People love it. I'm like, <laughs> use a fucking journal. There's such cute ones. Like, get there's yourself apps, a cute one. There's all, all the things. things. Yeah. So there's but so again, I don't ways. say journaling number one. I said, how do you express yourself the best? 
Is it speaking out loud? Because I talk to myself. Now, I look crazy in my car. Because I'm going to be very honest. If I'm not blasting music, I'm like processing my day. And if I'm anxious about something, I process it out loud. And I question the anxiety. I believe of making anxiety an outside factor. So we, I talk to it. I can't journal. I can't, I can't do it. But these are the things that you can consider when you're in a relationship with someone. What do you need for yourself in order to... What if you can't talk to your partner? They're in a manic or in a depressive, but like fucking knee deep in it. What are you going to do? You can't just sit there and wait for it to pass because shit, that could go on for a really long time. So yeah, what are you going to do for yourself? Mm-hmm. How are you going to handle things? Right. Um, what do you think you need to say or do? And this is something that you can work out in therapy, but but there is support groups also. Oh gosh, yeah. NAMI has you really know? good ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for this reason, if you're in a relationship with someone and you want to continue that relationship with someone regardless yeah. of their diagnoses, right. please consider joining. Please. Mm-hmm. Because finding out different ways to help your partner but more importantly, help yourself. Yeah. Because it is traumatic to see as well as understand that this your person is going through something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> because then they take it out on you. You yeah. are going to become the reason that they're depressed or they're manic. And you mentioned the money thing. I think that that's a huge issue. Yeah. What if they go on a, on a binge and they spend all their fucking money? What are you going to do? You got rent to pay. You got bills. You got kids. What are you going to do? Yeah. So there's things you have to do to protect yourself and your family and your kids and your house and, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, But this is something that needs to be communicated as well. Again, there's, you know, setting boundaries um, and making sure that you have a community of support that is out there, no matter where you are, even in rural areas. Uh Uh-huh. You can go online. Nowadays, yeah. you have no excuse for a support group. There's all kinds of shit, even overseas. Like Yes, and overseas then, especially, yeah. yeah. Um, support groups, groups if you're doing therapy, seeking your own therapist. Like, there are so many factors that can be an issue. But then you could become the reason that they're going through something. But you have to express this. And again, if you're not sure that's a problem... It's probably a problem. Yeah. Like, you know something ain't right, and you're trying to work through it, and you're and you're trying to communicate this. It's very easy, and then this is what we just talked about in the last one. Codependency literally thrives in those spaces. Right. Because we become the enablers to something that, yes, is it a suffrage? I think mental illness is, a, is no fucking joke. Like, people literally die because of this, and it's one of those things where it's very difficult when you don't have the support. Again... If you don't have your therapist and you're looking for one, I know it's hard. So in all fairness, I get Mm -hmm. it. But also touch in with their therapist. Sign a consent. You know, I have to say that I was watching a TikTok video this morning and there was a gentleman on there who's a therapist. And he was saying, look, you know, we um, as single people, what we do is we date. Right, we go on Tinder, we go on some apps, we do whatever, and we go on these dates, mm-hmm. or it's an arranged date or blind date or whatever. It doesn't really matter. We go on these dates, and he goes, "I think we got the language wrong." He said, "What we should be doing is vetting." 
like what we should be doing is like asking the questions to see if we have our values aligned Mm -hmm. or if we, you know, can get along in certain situations. And then we can go to dating and casual dating because once we hit the dating mark and we're solidly dating, even if it is casual, it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people are going to give me flack for that. But um, because, you know, if you're dating, it's not a relationship. Oh, yes, it is. It is. You're dating the person, no matter how casually. It is. <laughs> right. No, but I totally agree with that. Because a lot of people are scared to mm-hmm. ask, do you want kids? Right. I think that's the number one fucking thing. If it's not on your profile, do you want kids is before we go anywhere. But those are very fundamental values that mm-hmm. could cause issues in a relationship. You lie, someone's going to fuck around and find out. Right. That's just what's going to happen. And this is one of those things that I think is super important. Be like, one of the questions should be, well, how do you communicate? Mm-hmm. I mean, now, even if I seek employment, I ask right. that employer because I am vetting them. You know, do I really want to work in an organization that isn't going to communicate with me? So I freaking asking, I ask them when it says, do you have any questions? Oh, hell yes, I do. You got a lot of questions. I, I want to know how you communicate with your employees. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And it should be with relationships too. Absolutely. So. Um, and listen to them when they tell you. Yes. People are going to lie because been there, done that. I've been on dates or I've, I've matched with people that will tell me what they think I want to hear. Mm-hmm. Listen to that. Start doing your math. Make sure your math is mathing because they're going to show you real fucking quick what they're not willing to do. Exactly. And they will be honest with you with their behaviors. Behaviorally speaking, look at that shit. Actions speak louder sometimes. Girl, most times in dating (laughs) is what it comes down to. But yeah, they will show you who they're there for. Are they there for you or for themselves? Because you can definitely turn... Be like, ah, nah, sorry. You're in conflict. Conflict, how they resolve conflict is right. so fucking important because... You want to know these things. You want to know these things. Because you don't know who you're talking to and you do not know how they're going to do that with you moving forward. Exactly. Once you can figure kind of these things out and feel like you are aligned, yeah. even if that person does have a diagnosis, if you're aligned in your values and your... Yep actions and behaviors and the way you communicate and your conflict resolution style right then you have a hell of a lot better um yep chance of surviving oh absolutely you know so yeah again that's not selfish that is protection but it's also it's going to give you the tools to make it work Mm-hmm. there's going to be ups and downs ebbs and flows i think any relationship when you cut out mental health there's still issues right let's say two people come from really loving homes they're very secure maybe a little bit of anxiety a little bit of depression if we're talking the lower realm of kind of what mental health looks like even people like that can have issues mm-hmm. and then you start throwing these things that are rooted in trauma that and again i'm not saying this because i believe that this is true Start talking to fucking people and listen to their story. Like, people grew up in abusive homes. They, yeah. they had abusive relationships. And the people that abuse us the most is our family, when that is the cultural norm in that family. Right. Very passive-aggressive that we mentioned last time. The gray rock. All of these things that we go through, is these are learned behaviors. We learn how to socialize and communicate with the people that raise us. 
if it's not done appropriately, I grew up in a very hostile environment, very hostile. Everything was yelling. Everything was an argument. Everything was escalated to the 10th degree for fucking what? For nothing. It was for nothing. I don't like it now. I would never do that with a partner. I would never do that with anyone because I think that doesn't resolve anything. You have to be ready to look at things and to understand what's going on to better support your system. Your system is what cannot take a hostile environment. If that's what you were raised in and that's what's normalized, then you maybe you don't even know it's a problem until it becomes a problem and you meet your match and they make you feel bad about yourself. Mm-hmm. There's always a downfall to stuff and you just have to be ready to protect yourself because that's all the boundaries is just protection to know how to relate to others. Oh, right. you're yelling at me? Then we're not going to, I don't need to hear this from you. We can wait until you're ready to speak to me like an adult, and then we can resolve this issue. Now, some people, uh, you know, we, we say that. It's so easy to say that. It's so, so easy. easy. Oh, I'd love say, to be on this side of the like, couch. Exactly. That one is harder. Um, in fact, you know, I think that there's a lot of people overseas that talk about um, mental health as couching, like sitting on the couch, right? Um, but, mm-hmm. um, but, it, but it's very true, nonetheless. Um, but anyhow, I think it's, it's interesting that we say... Um, you know, let's talk later because I need to cool down or I need, I need to calm down before I can talk to you. Or I don't, you know, this, this isn't working for me. I, we need to step back and then we can get back together um, and talk about this like adults. If you are with somebody who is in the middle of a, what do you, what do you want to call it? A, a flare of, um, a moment moment um of a mental health concern um they're not gonna take that too well so um right remember uh, plan things out you know you have to protect yourself and your mental health just as much as you want to protect them too yeah so if that means actually leaving the house um all you can do is say look I'm feeling threatened right now. Um, I'm not feeling calm and I want to have a calm conversation with you. So I'm going to take myself out of the situation right? and calm down. And then I'm going to come back and we can talk about this. Please give me that. Um, sometimes, Absolutely. sometimes they'll give it to you and sometimes they'll just keep on at you, but make a plan for yourself. This is where you talk to a therapist, to yours, to your partner's therapist, to a couple's. And I know we could, we kind of say you don't need to do this or you need to do. At the end of the day, it's what works for you and your partner and your family. Like we can give all of these things to you, but if that doesn't work, what is the thing that works for your partner who is struggling with their stuff? And then what works for the couple? And then what works for you? Because that's who's important. There's three clients here. Yeah, don't, How are you giving? don't make yourself a martyr. Yeah. Don't make yourself a martyr. Like, right. you got to take care of you, too. And so... Yes. And, that's, and that means that you, you both have... You don't have this power differential, right? So that you can come together if you work on yeah, it together no. and balance each other out. But um, it's hard. It's that relationships are hard. Anybody who tells you otherwise is lying through their teeth. Um, so you do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. Because you do got to, you have to do the best by you, the best by your person, if that is a relationship you want to maintain. 
That's right. That is the caveat to everything. I think I think I said this before, but when I was doing therapy, if I had a couple coming in, I'd ask them, okay, are you here because you want to stay together? Are you here because you want to separate and work things out? Or are you here because you want to divorce? What? Those are the three options. So tell me what you want. Because if one person is saying, I want a divorce, and the other person is saying, I want to stay together, there's obviously a problem. This is why the fuck I don't do couples. <laughs> Hell no. That's a hard one. Because you're right. It, it's a fundamental difference here. Right. It's a fucking problem. Right. And that power issue is going to be like a continued issue. Yeah. Um, if that person wants out, they're going to do anything they can to get out. And so the person who wants to stay is going to feel rejected, abandoned, um, abandoned, neglected, you mm-hmm. know, all of all of those things. Right. Um, so it's 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 really hard. Um, relationships are hard, but it's really hard to make sure that you maintain a balance in a way that works yeah. for the both of you or for all of you. If you yeah. have polyamory type of relationship or whatever. Yeah. But um, just just take care of you and make your plans. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. If, and I know it's almost like, well, if I have to make a plan and something is wrong. Yeah. Right. If you're not safe, then something is wrong. That's and right. it could literally be more of an emotional safety issue. Um, and it doesn't need to be to the point. Cause I know people love to be like, well, they don't hit me. All right, cool. 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 But how do they talk to you? Right. And how do they treat you? And then how are you feeling after those encounters with this person? Because a bruise will heal, but that shit that people tell you... You can have scars on the inside. Ooh, those never heal. Mm -mm. Those don't ever go away. That is something that stays with you. And if you feel Mm -hmm. unsafe in any way because of words or how they interact or... Their actions or... Yeah, even even if it's not, like, physical towards you, Mm -hmm. if their actions show you you're unsafe, you're unsafe. They don't have to raise a hand at you to be abusive. Oh, no, no. But that's (laughs) what it is. You don't... There's so many levels of unsafety, of feeling unsafe, and I feel like that's one of them where, like, people want to go straight to, like, well, they don't hit me. Right. Bitch, uh, no, okay, but then how do you feel after an encounter? Exactly. Do you feel like a piece of shit? Because then maybe there's a problem. And this is where communication needs to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that's the end of our... Because, again, we could go on forever. Yeah, we could. don't get me started on some shit. I we... do this every day, and I we... can do it some more. We really could. So, <laughs> we can go on all day. We can talk about this stuff, and we do. <laughs> I think that's the worst part. I don't think you guys understand. We talk about this shit all the time. Right. So, right now, I'm going to say um, goodbye to our podcast people but the video people youtube people you're still on for a second (laughs) so again i'm just gonna ask for a little grace because you know i i'm so so um you know good at this that yep (laughs) all right bye guys well yeah bye guys have a good one (laughs) 